let's pray right now for the reading of the word and also for the offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to pray for the offering, Lord God, as we still are not able to pass out the offering bag. So we just pray, Lord God, for all those that have contributed to the church financially, Lord God. We thank you for the tithes and offerings that we're being able to receive. Bless the gift and the giver. And we also pray for the reading of your word here tonight. Anoint it. Give it life, Lord God, and allow me as your servant, Lord God, to speak clearly, organize my thoughts and my words. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Very good. Okay, I'm going to start off at Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, last week we focused on verse 10 and verse 10 says this am i now trying to win the approval of human beings or of god or am i trying to please people if i were still trying to please people i would not be a servant of christ and we discussed that uh, the dangers of being men pleasers rather than god pleasers the trouble with being a god pleaser is is that sometimes it's really hard at times to put God first. Sometimes we have to face very scary and very intimidating situations or people or circumstances. I don't know if any of you have the courage to admit that or not, but I can tell you firsthand for myself, sometimes it's scary and sometimes there's certain people that are very intimidating and yet we have to please God rather than men. Can you say amen, church? Okay, this is what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. And we gave the example of two people that ended up actually losing their lives because they chose to be obedient to God and because they chose to please God by being willing to confront some powerful individuals about their sin. Last week, I gave the example of John the Baptist, for example, who lost his life because he confronted King Herod about his adultery. Instead of repenting, King Herod cut off John the Baptist's head, and you can read all about that in Matthew chapter 14. I also gave the example of Stephen, who confronted the Jewish leaders called the Sanhedrin about their rejection of Christ. And instead of repenting, they killed, the Sanhedrin killed Stephen by stoning him to death, and you can read that in Acts chapter 7. Now remember, Stephen, he was a waiter. He was a waiter, like, like a waiter in a restaurant, and yet he had to confront the Sanhedrin, who were the leaders of the Jewish people, the re- Jewish religious leaders. It was a very intimidating situation, very scary. The Sanhedrin had all the power. Stephen had no power, and yet he obeyed God. He wanted to please God rather than please men. He was obedient, and sadly for Stephen, he was killed. He was stoned to death. Okay, so these men chose to fear God more than men. These men chose to please God more than be more than men. And sadly, they lost their lives for it. We see this happening in nations where uh, where there's Muslims and when there's where there's it's dominated by the Hindus. Uh, They attack and they kill Christians for proclaiming salvation in and through Jesus Christ or these Christians that proclaim Jesus 
because they want to obey God. They, they get thrown in prison. Uh, they don't get any work. They're made to suffer a lot. So we see this happening still today around the world. Not so much here in the United States, but in other parts of the world we see this. And we need to remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Yes, it's true. People can harm us. People can actually kill us. But the one that we need to fear is God because God is the one that controls the destiny of our souls. Can you say amen, church? So this is why the Apostle Paul is stressing this so importantly. Then I gave you some examples of those who feared God more than men and were obedient to God and they confronted some powerful people but, but praise God, the people that they confronted, they did repent. For example, I gave the example of Jonah who confronted the people of Nineveh. Now, the people of Nineveh were no joke. These people were very intimidating. These people were very scary. These people were involved with wickedness and evil and corruption. These people were cold-blooded. They were warped and twisted. And God said to Jonah, I don't care how intimidating these people are. I don't care how much, how, how, even though they're gangbangers and, and carry guns and they're violent and they're evil, I want you to go in there and I want you to preach about salvation and I want you to warn them before it's too late. And you know what? Jonah went in there. He did his thing for God. And, and praise God, the people of Nineveh repented. They repented they turned from their sin. You can read about that in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Was it scary? You better believe it was scary. Was it intimidating? You better believe it was intimidating. So don't think that this is easy stuff that we're talking about. This is very, very challenging. Nathan, the prophet we shared last week, confronted King David about his sin of adultery and murder. And again, Confronting a king who has the power to just kill you on the spot, that's a very scary and a very intimidating thing. And yet Nathan went in there. He was, obe- he was obedient to God. He feared God more than man. He confronted King David. And thank God, King David repented of his sin. You can re- read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. We read about that last week. Now we have another example found in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42, of how important it is for us to please God more than men, even if it means risking our lives. I want to read this. It's a long section of Scripture, but I'm going to read Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Listen to what it says here in Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 12. It says this, okay? It says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. 
But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force, but they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You have, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make a guilt, us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so it is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death, But the Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up to the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put aside for a little while. The key verse there is verse 29, where it says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Church, is that still true today? Can you say amen? We must obey God rather than men. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says this, Fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you are standing up for righteousness, if you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible is saying you don't have to be afraid. Even when you're facing very intimidating and scary situations, you don't have to be afraid because why? God is on your side. Like that that song that we sang a little while ago, God is in the fire with us. Can you say amen, church? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 17, it says, Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of anyone. Again, sometimes it could be intimidating when you're dealing with a certain people, uh, certain people with political power or certain people with certain riches and, 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 and wealth, and it could be intimidating. But God says, you know what? Treat everybody the same. Don't be afraid of anyone. Don't be intimidated by anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Isaiah 51, verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals? 
human beings who are but grass. And as I mentioned last week, for me, when I have to do funeral services, these are some of the most difficult services for me. Right now, I have a friendly crowd in front of me. Most of you, if not all of you, are Christians. You fear the Lord. You believe in God. And you're, you're able to absorb the Word of God very easily. But when I do a funeral, I have a mixed crowd. Some people believe, and some people don't believe. And some people are actually anti-Christ or agnostic or atheist. And sometimes it's very intimidating because I have to let the people know that when we die, we will either go to heaven or we will go to hell. I sincerely believe that if a person who is in hell right now could somehow communicate with us, they would say to all of the preachers and all the true Christians around the world, please have the courage to warn the wicked before it's too late. Please have the courage to warn my family and all unbelievers so that they will not end up in hell where I am. Did you hear what I just said, church? I believe that if somebody was in hell right now, could come up right now, they would say to me, Pastor Jerry, please get in people's faces. Don't be afraid. Have the courage to tell them the truth so that they don't end up in this place called hell. In the book of Luke chapter 16, listen to what it says here. It kind of gives us a little bit of a picture of this. In Luke chapter 16, it says this. Starting at verse 19, it says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is, com he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be con convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Isn't that sad, church? That's why we need to pray for those who are lost. And when God tells us that we need to speak up, we need to speak up and not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Let's move on to the next section of Scripture found in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says this, in 11 and 12 it says, 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now remember, we have to understand that the Apostle Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles. When Jesus Christ lived on the earth physically, when he was presently here, the Apostle Paul was not one of the apostles. Matthew chapter 10 gives us a list of the apostles, and I want us to go there in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Okay, These are the ones who walked and talked and lived with Jesus Christ when our Lord was here on the earth in human form. They spent about three or three and a half years with Jesus personally, physically, walking with him, living with him, eating with him, fellowshipping with him, being taught by him. But the apostle Paul was not one of them. Let me give you the list. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Did anybody see Saul or the Apostle Paul in that list? No, we did not see that name on that list. So the Apostle Paul was not one of the original apostles. This means that when Jesus Christ our Lord was here physically and personally, the Apostle Paul never saw or heard or spent time with Jesus personally. The Apostle Paul was not there at the Sermon of the Mount. The Apostle Paul was not there when Jesus fed the 5,000. The Apostle Paul was not there when Jesus healed the blind or raised the dead or healed the mute or healed the deaf or healed the demon-possessed. So for the Apostle Paul, there were many in the early church that did not recognize his authority or his apostleship. Why? Because he wasn't there. He wasn't one of the original 12. And so they said, who's this guy who's coming up all of a sudden with this information or with this teaching? So many times the apostle Paul had to defend himself in a sense prove to his audience that he truly was and that he was considered an apostle. One of the things that the apostle Paul used to demonstrate his calling as an apostle would be to share his testimony. How many of you here have a testimony of how you got saved? A miracle story of what God did for you. You know, it's not by accident that you're here right now. Something happened in your life to get you to fall in love with God, to get you to want to follow God, to get you to want to start coming to church, to want you to get, to get start reading the Bible and to pray. Something happened. That's your testimony. And the apostle Paul would often share his testimony of how he was personally called into the ministry by Jesus Christ himself. And he shares that in the book of Galatians, which is what we're looking at right now. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 1. And I want to read to the conclusion of chapter 1 because the Apostle Paul shares a little bit about his testimony as to what allows him to speak with the authority of an apostle. Let's go ahead and read it here. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24, it says this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely 
I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is not a lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Isn't that a powerful testimony when we hear that about the Apostle Paul, how he would be a persecutor of the church? He was there when Stephen was murdered. He approved the murder of Stephen. He was out there to, to kill and to destroy. He was, he thought he was an agent of God, but he was an agent of the devil and he was trying to destroy the church. But God got a hold of him, church. God got a hold of him and changed his life. And I want to read about his actual conversion here in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, listen to what it says here in Acts chapter 9. I want to read it again. In Acts chapter 9, listen to what it says here. Verses 1 through 18, it says this in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The man traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Listen to what Ananias says here in verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Isn't that a good example for Ananias? What is he going to do? Is he going to fear God or is he going to fear man? He was intimidated by, the, by Saul. He was afraid of Saul. Saul to him was a murderer. He was, he was, he was threatening him. He, was, he would kill him. And so Ananias and his, 
natural mind was very intimidated and very scared and very paranoid and even said to God, Jesus, what do you mean sending me to this guy? Do you want me to die or what? What's going on here? But you know what? Ananias feared God more than man. Yes, Saul was scary. Yes, Saul was intimidating. Yes, Saul had authority to kill and to destroy Christians and people who were in the church. But Ananias had to put his faith in Almighty God. And listen to what it says here. But the Lord said to Ananias in verse 15, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This was the Apostle Paul's testimony of how he came to Christ and how he received authority from Christ to preach the gospel. And what is the gospel message that he received from Christ himself? We find it here as we bring this to a close in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read this in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. It says this. This is a gospel message that the apostle Paul received directly from Jesus Christ himself. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In regarding this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Let me just stop right there. What does the Apostle Paul say? And he says, hey, look, when we first heard about salvation, we thought it was only for the Jewish people. But I have a revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ himself that salvation is not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Anyone who is not a Jew. Let me just ask you this, those of you that are here. How many of you are Jewish? Lift up your hand. For those of you watching online, there's not a single person in here that lifted up their hands. Even myself, I can't raise my hand because I'm not Jewish. I'm Mexican. And you know what the good news is? The good news is that Christ came to save not only the Jews, but Mexicans and Japanese and Canadians and El Salvadorians and, and all the people of all the world. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord now today can be saved. That is the message that the Apostle Paul received directly from Jesus Christ. That now salvation is for not only for the Jew, but to the Gentile. The Gentile is anyone who is not Jewish. And guess what? That's like 99% of the world because there's only a few Jewish people in comparison to the world. 
Salvation is for everyone. Let me continue. In verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let me say that again. In him, in Christ, and through faith in him, through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. With freedom and confidence. You, as a child of God, me, as a child of God, because of the blood of Christ, we can approach the heavenly throne with freedom and with confidence, church. Last scripture. Galatians 3.26. So in Christ, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is talking to you and I who are believers, who are Christians. It's not talking to the unbeliever. We got to get them saved. We got to get them into our camp. We got to get them into our gang. We got to get them into our group. We got to get the blood of Jesus into their lives. Can you say amen, church? This is only applies to those who are in Christ Jesus. And listen to what it says here. Let me read it again from verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the message that the Apostle Paul received from Jesus Christ himself, that in and through Christ we are all one body, one unified body, in and through Jesus Christ. If you, and then in verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What does that mean? That if we belong to Christ, we are on our way to heaven, church. We're on our way to heaven. We're blessed. We're saved. We're forgiven. We have access to a holy God. We can pray and cry out to him. He hears our prayers. He loves us. We're one with him. We're on his team. We're on the winning team. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this message that you gave to the Apostle Paul to reach out not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. All the European nations, all the nations of South America, all the nations of North America, all the islands, all the island nations of the world, Father. The gospel is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone, Jew and Gentile. Anyone who chooses to call on the name of the Lord and to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ will be saved. Thank you for that message, Lord. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. I want to do that here tonight. Just lift up your hand. Those of you watching online, if you want to receive Jesus, just say this prayer with me right now. Father, Father, 
in the name of Jesus, I receive this free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died and you rose again and that you live forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this Wednesday evening. Remember, you are in Christ. You belong to the Lord. It's all been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And we have the victory. God bless you guys. Amen. Praise God.